Warning! This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Let's go! Welcome to this week's episode of Records and Bands. As usual, Sam is with us up in Lempster. Hello! Um, we actually have a very special guest again this week. We have my best mate from school, the man that sang for me at my wedding. He's quite possibly the most handsome man I know. He's also the only person to ever choose to be a bass player. <laughs> He's my musical spirit guide, without who I may never have heard Sound Garden, bass player with front runner, Leon Bateman. Welcome to the show, Leon. Hi there. How are we? <laughs> Did you like that little bit of bullshit I put together? That's very nice. He's never said that about me when we've done this. <laughs> To be fair, that's the first time I've done a proper shit intro. Even Ted Rogers had a big introduction to Dusty Bin. So I think, you know, um, I think you should do something for Sam at least. Sam's Dusty Bin in that, is he? <laughs> yeah, well, I could be Dusty he could be Dusty Bin, whichever. You're I'm Ted Rogers, sure. three, two, one. <laughs> God, how fucking old are we? I'm going to have to Google Ted Rogers. Fuck me, like right. we're old. As usual, I have a question to ask Sam, and I'll ask Lee on this as well. What have you been listening to this week? I have been listening to, and it's um, a name that comes up quite a bit on the podcast, sometimes controversially, the man, Leon, who I think is one of the last great living punks, and that's Kanye West. Um, So I just went on a bit of a rabbit hole, really, with it. Um, I've been listening to that Dark Twisted Fantasies album, and then I went back and listened to Late Registration, which I think is his second record. It's got the gold digger on it and all that. So it's got Testify on it. Yes, no, it has. That is on it. That's the one Kanye West song I know. So there you go. What about Leon? Leon, do you um, go deep on Kanye? That's a question I'm often asked at live (laughs) gigs, to be quite honest with you. See, now, I've watched a lot of the sort of footage of him at like Glastow and stuff like that at live performances. And I'm really sort of, I don't, I don't buy it, but that doesn't mean to say I don't like it because the one that he did with uh, Jay Z, No Church in the Wild, mm, yeah, that's a brilliant track, yeah. And I listened to that again and again. I didn't actually move on to actually listen to the album, which I should have done, but I think No Church in the Wild, just that sort of looping guitar line, just hooks you instantly. And yeah. The sort of the the rapping on it and the sort of spoken word is so kind of offbeat. That you can't help but listen to it because the the looping guitar is so sort of hypnotic and then the interjecting speech is just mind-boggling it's, mm. it's fantastic and i really enjoyed listening to that track i never got the album and um that album was on my original list the 25 for this podcast so oh, right. watch the throne album yeah and um, yeah you're right that is a killer opening track brilliant um, track you're both significantly cooler than me because I've not heard that <laughs> at all. Like. Well, you haven't heard the ones I've been listening to this week, so that might change. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's been me this week, pretty much. Uh, it's been a very hip-hop, rap kind of week for me, I must say. I'm just going through what else I've been listening to, and that's, that's pretty much it, along with a couple of albums that I can honestly say I never would have listened to if our esteemed guest hadn't recommended them. Which I'm very much looking forward to talking about, I must say. I have this this week listened to an album that I know Sam will love and one that I reckon Leon will love. 
whether he's actually heard them both this week, I don't know. But I've listened to Van Weezer, the new oh. Weezer album, which is sort of their... Um... Oh, yes, you've got it! Brilliant! <laughs> of course I've got it! Brilliant, good man. Um, so I've listened to that, and um, the, there's a new Bottoms album came out, which I know you'll love. Uh, yeah, so no, I've seen that. I haven't heard it yet. The, the... That's all right, I sort of skipped through that a bit, and it's, that's quite good. Um, I've probably listened to half of Van Weezer, which, you know really lazy because it's another kick-ass half-hour album <laughs> there's another artist i found on itunes called girl in red and she's like a norwegian poppy hip-hoppy all sorts and it's like i actually really like it but it's good for them to actually take something to school that her mates haven't heard so she mm. does actually get to be the cool kid whereas i was sat on a bus with uh leon listening to iron maiden <laughs> Definitely not cool. She can tell me what it's like to be the cool kid. <laughs> I just remember sitting on the school bus and just like having people prodding me in the back of the head and stuff like that. So what have you been listening to this week then, mate? Oh, it's... I, um, did I just completely steal your thunder then? No, absolutely not. No, no, no. Because um, um, I've been listening to Van Weezer. I listened to Alexa first. And the first song they play on Van Weezer is not the first song on the album. All right. Hmm. And it started off with the sort of um, Van Halen style um, riff, which I believe... It's a bit like Eruption, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's... Uh, I need some of that or The End of the Game. It's one of those two. But I sat listening to it thinking, what an amazing intro from a band who is seen as being quite simplistic and a little bit sort of... They're seen as being like this uh, sort of low-rent bit of fun. like. But actually, mm. listen to the guitar work on this. It's really quite good. And I've got to be honest, it's... It's the first one I've bought of Weezer's for quite some time. Um, uh, obviously, I had the original uh, Pinkerton, Maladroit, and a couple of the others. And uh, I didn't realise there's been like another six albums in between all these. Yeah, they churn them out, don't they, Ferris? Yeah, they do. We were having a bit of a Weezer discussion the other day. So, blue or green, Leon? Or um, blue for me. All oh, right, see, so I said green. What did you mm. say, Sam? Uh, I, I can't actually remember, so I'm probably going to contradict myself, but yeah. I would say um, probably the blue, I think. Just on here, you got 94, the blue album, 96, Pinkerton, 2001, Green, 2002, Maladroit, 2005, Make Believe, Red Album, 2008, uh, Ratitude, 2009, Death to False Metal, 2010, mm. Hurley, 2010, Everything Will Be All Right in the End, is that right? 2014, White mm. Album, 2016, <clears throat> Pacific Day, Dream 2017, Teal Album. Oh, I need to come mm. back to the Teal Album. Have you seen it's the Teal insane. Album? The Black Album, 2019, OK Human this year, and Van Weezer this year. Pretty prolific, that, isn't it? It's like Neil Young. <laughs> the Teal Album is a covers album, and they yes. do Africa by Toto. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to rule the world. Uh, the Eurythmics, Take on Me, Paranoid. Wow, Mr. Blue Sky. But the best one on that album is No Scrubs. Weezer doing No Scrubs. <laughs> See, now for me, I've I've seen them do um, Africa live with oh, the right. keyboardist from um, Toto. All right, nice. I sat and, watched, and, and they started. I thought, oh, it's Weezer doing Africa. And then about 10 seconds into singing, I thought, oh, my God, Weezer are actually doing Africa. <laughs> it's like 
these guys can. He's actually. I, I, I don't know what's happened, but his vocals are better. The guitars are better. They're really working hard at this because some of the sort of earlier stuff was garage bandy. But mm. fair play to the guys. They they really are putting in the effort and you know putting in the hours. But as as they quite often say in a lot of their music, you know. This is what I want to do. You're all sat yeah. there going to day jobs, and I'm here skateboarding and playing rock. And you can't fault it; it's great stuff. I stopped at uh, Red Album. Um, that was the last right. one I physically bought, um, and then didn't hear anything in between that and Van Weezer. Oh, actually, apart from singles on the Teal album, I yeah. heard a few singles off that. Yeah, but you're still physically, much. you're still buying physical. Mm, yeah, still very much. I've got a, a little metal case that I yeah. lock everything up in, and I'm a bit of a hand now i go for the deluxe packs right um, nice rather than just buying like a cd off the shelf um I, the ones that i particularly want to buy i'll make certain that i really like this band that i'll support the music and buy the deluxe pack which um conveniently brings me onto a couple more of the albums i've been listening to this week so uh, we'll there uh... just quickly before you move on um i've just done a bit of a quick google because i was interested like this fan weezer album and a few things jumped out and I, I couldn't quite believe what I was reading, but Hero, track one on the album, mm -hmm. is co-written by none other than Daniel Bedingfield. You're kidding! Yes. I yeah, I could, would never have believed that. Another quick Weezer fact. Um, Leon, you'll know this, uh, having a 10-year-old daughter. Have you heard their version of Lost in the Woods off Frozen 2? No. no. Have you not seen well, Frozen 2? I have heard the soundtrack to um, the SpongeBob movie, oh, right. which they do the title track. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, on, on Frozen Two, there's like a big sort of um, the big power ballad is called "Lost in the Woods." In 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 the film, the um, reindeer herder character can't remember his name. Of course, you can. Kristoff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. And then in the end credits, it's the Weezer version. <clears throat> And it's so fucking wow. good. Oh, see, I've got to go and get that now. Yeah, Lost in the Woods is good. Right, sorry, go on then. So what else have you been listening to? It's It's been a busy week, okay? i got a yeah. book I work with called uh, Steve Parker, and he is, like, literally the ultimate music fan. He's he's in his sort of uh, late 50s, early 60s. Loves everything musical. Um, real source of inspiration for me in my sort of mid life crisis age <laughs> and um he's, mate i go fucking rock climbing don't you talk to me about <laughs> midlife crisis the only thing i can climb mate is the stairs to go to bed that's it next album i've been listening to this week deluxe edition of war within me by blaze bailey very good album uh really good mix of speed metal also a little bit harking back to the wolfsbane days there's some softer tracks in there that i really quite like that was a good album that is it all hell's breaking loose down in little Kathy Wilson's place? Yeah, see, now yeah. when you did your top 25, yeah. I literally sat down and compiled my top 25, of which that was one of my top 25, because it, it, it is just like seven songs of just... It is only seven songs as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. nothing. It's, just, it's only an EP. It's about 30 minutes long, and fair play. You got any idea what we're talking about, Sam? Well, I'm just, I was just about to say, I'm just going to sit here quietly and Google who Blaze Bailey is. Okay, so he was leading <laughs> with um, Wolf Spain, and then he replaced, well, when Bruce Dickinson had his midlife crisis and went off and did his solo mm. stuff, mm. he replaced yeah. him right. in Iron Maiden. 
from 94 yep. to 99, I believe, if my yeah, memory serves me Good knowledge. Google's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, it's got some absolute blistering guitar work on it. It contains um, pretty much the entire band known as Absolver. Right, uh, no, with, no. with Blaze Bailey just singing over the top, pretty much. Um, but Blaze is sounding really good vocally. Um, the last album prior to this, he he didn't sound so dynamic. Uh, his voice was kind of mid-range, whereas I think now he has really sort of settled into his persona. Um, he lost his wife not so long back as well. Right. And he suffered quite badly from depression. So War Within Me is a little homage to battling demons within. Really, really good considering, um, as Rob and I have spoken before in great detail about my own conflict with uh, um, depression and anxiety. So always an uplifting listen for, for people like Blaze Bailey. So um, I'm happy to uh, share that one. It's, it is very, very good. Moving on from that, I've had loads. Um, yes. On our podcast last week, we um, we kind of mentioned about um, how uh, things are a bit cyclical. So you had all that prog rock, which got swept away by punk and then yeah, yeah. You, you know then punk gave way to eventually like all the hair metal but then like the pixies and nirvana came through and <clears> swept <throat> all of that away and you're absolutely right because <clears throat> it's well documented that people are just getting really bored with like 75 minute guitar solos and drum breaks and it really did become one of those things that needed freshening up but having gone back and listened to it and this is where my mate steve parker comes in um better go and listen so I listened to the whole album, Close to the Edge. The first part is literally prog experimentation. Just how many notes can we fit in, as many bars as we can possibly fit in. Can we do a chord change? I don't know. Let's just do 19 chord changes and see what happens. Um, and it's just like, wow, this is pretty spectacular. And then literally like halfway through the album, just turns into a really sort of gritty blues track. It's like, whoa, that's just completely changed. So I then thought... I spoke to Steve Parker and he said, oh, listen, listen to Fragile, because Fragile is like, like my like number one. It's, it's fantastic. And I've got to be honest, I didn't make it past the first track. And there's a reason for it is because the bass line is absolutely phenomenal. And I just I literally just spent like the last, I don't know, 14, 15 hours listening to it on my headphones at work and then coming home and just playing the bass line over and over again because it is fantastic and I'm trying if, to work it out yeah yeah bar by bar like, yeah. but it's not complex it's not yeah. a complex bass line you start to listen to it and you think wow it really isn't that complex but the looping of it is just a consistently looping but it's it's in like four three times so it's like really off beat and then back on beat and then back off beat and you think this is really quite clever but then once you start really listening to it every single time that he plays it there's muted string plucks and little runs and things you think he's doing so much more than what you think he's doing here there you are sam and ne next time you write when you're half a bar guitar solos have you have you seen sam fan uh, yeah i have actually yeah, yeah yeah they were playing um the corn square lemster doing uh christmas singy so oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's your Christmas song, was it, Sam? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. Because um, he's got his punk band as well. 
the mm. angry barrels and then mate i know he sat in the room but fucking brilliant like i didn't, <laughs> didn't really honestly i didn't think he'd have it in him like i gotta be honest though um it's one thing that i really regret is never having recorded anything that i've ever played um we've still got the recording that we did with our first band um i believe they were called kinara oh i can't um, remember. I don't, maybe i can't remember <laughs> if we ever settled on a name yeah we, we had loads didn't we of muck about oh mate names. I, I just call it, you, you guys were just playing and I would occasionally hit a drum and accidentally, <laughs> sometimes I'd accidentally be in time. <laughs> it was, but it was good fun. It was good yeah, days yeah, those days. And I've still got the mini disc of that recording. There's no oh, lyrics cool. on it. No. But it's, it's still up in the loft somewhere. And, uh, you know, I listen to it now and again. So you play with dance band uh, Frontrunner and you have done for 20 odd years, nearly. Since our the shenanigans in the band and the youth center because it was the youth center wasn't it it was youth center yeah originally, yeah, yeah. and because they had the, they had a drum kit that was sort of shared wasn't it that was right that was right in yeah, that little yeah. room yeah 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 um, all covered in uh, curtains and old carpet so yeah. staying dead and yeah that's right um but if you haven't done anything do, do, do you write stuff now or have you not really is it <laughs> where you've sort of spoken to me before about issues and stuff and I, like this isn't the place to go into them unless you really want to um mm. but um i just wondered whether that would be a good sort of channel for you i have written um i've got a point uh a thing on my phone where i could be just driving along and just kind of pull over and go i've got an idea for lyrics a little melody blah blah and i record it to my phone and I've got hours of all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. and that's where they'll stay. I never put them into anything. I haven't written in years, or, or even put any sort of effort into making songs out of what I've put onto my um, recording. Um, for the simple reason being, uh, going back to the anxiety thing, uh, I suffer from high-functioning anxiety. Mm -hmm. So as soon as anxiety starts to kick in, I step up into like hyper mode. Yeah. And um, what comes out the back of hyper mode is um, forgetfulness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what's happened. Um, when we played Lake Fest um, three years ago, I don't remember anything. All right. Not a thing really anxious beforehand, quite nervous. Um, we were on a separate stage just after the darkness finished. Um, so I went over to play in the band. And from the point of Sorry, watching... Sorry, did you just say the darkness supported you? <laughs> if you want to put it like that, yeah. They were on before us, yeah. So uh, uh, we, from the point of listening to the darkness do um, Japanese Prisoner of Love, um, and thinking, oh God, it's time for me to go. Don't remember a thing. Right. Don't right. remember the live performance. Don't remember being on stage. Don't remember anything about it because my anxiety was through the roof. Jesus. Um, so the only thing I do recall from it is red lights. There were flashing red lights, right. and that's that's the only thing I can remember. I don't remember playing it, doing anything about it. So, it, and and that's why. I haven't really sort of written anything yeah. is because as soon as I get to that point where I think I want to sit down, I start to get quite anxious. Oh, okay. My sort of 
anxiety then steps up into hyperactivity and I've got to go and do something. Um, and then by that time, I've forgotten what the song I was in the middle of thinking of. So that's why I record onto my song, onto my phone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I can kind of try and remember what I've, what I've been doing. But um, So like my issue, just, just to, so you're not feeling left out after opening your heart to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Leon. That was uh, good of you to do. But, yeah, um, but so, so with me, it's like I... I have a general low level of anxiety just about the world and life in, mm. you know, but then that kind of manifests itself as um, do people really mean what they say about when they're talking to me? And mm. then that makes me then get a bit paranoid that, you know, maybe my wife doesn't really mean that, that doesn't really love me when she says she loves me. Maybe what she said is something else entirely. And she's only saying mm. that because that's what I want to hear. Mm. And then that then spirals and spirals and spirals into, well, what's the fucking point? Because why should I give a shit if they don't give a shit? Which then takes mm. me down a hole, which then leads to more of, do they really, like, they're, they're out to get me do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, then yeah. I just spiral, spiral. With that. And then I have, um, and I don't know, I don't know how much this Sam really knows, but um, I have quite mad um, body image issues. Um, right. Uh, like, it's like, right, I can't eat that. I'm fucking fat. I'm, I'm a fat fucking bastard. I can't be eating that. Fuck it. I'll eat it anyway. I'm, all, I'm, I'm already fat, so I might as well eat mm. that. Yeah. Like, what are you eating that for? Fuck's sake. And then I won't eat for a week. Like I literally will have like a banana for my lunch and my dinner in the evening. Yeah. But I won't eat the no, I'll hardly eat anything. And then that makes me tired and cross and irritable. And then I shout at the kids. And then I feel guilty for shouting at the kids. So I'll go and eat. And then I'll feel fat. <laughs> and, Sounds familiar. Yeah. And yeah. But you should feel yeah. like that though, Robin. So, no, but you can't stop and it. I, can I know say, exactly no, what you mean. No, I, and I can say exactly the same exactly. to you. So, and so what I'm trying to get at is, while the easiest thing to say is, mate, we all go through it. Mm. We it understand, but it's so fucking different for each person. It so, is, absolutely. And it's completely individual. And um, as much as I mean well saying to you, Leon, I understand. I don't understand mm. because it's, it, it's you. But what I can say yeah. is you've had my phone number. If you ever need yeah. to talk to me, I will listen. And I feel also I'm, I'm maybe that little bit further away. Yeah. It might be easier to talk to someone who's not going to see you in the street two <clears throat> days later. Or yeah. if, if you need to talk about anything personal, you don't, do you know what I mean? So if, if that's easier for you, I am here for you. I love you, man. And I yeah, want you to be well. Yeah. So. See, it's, <laughs> exactly we've been friends for donkeys yeah. so uh, it's it's under it's an understood it's an unspoken thing that yeah. we know that we're, we're there for each yeah. other at all times see but... a couple of um, a couple of years ago when you um were clearly going through a bad spell um and i reached out with a text message i felt a bit shit because i hadn't been about for you before do you know what i mean yeah, but, but that's, that's just life that's you. how it is isn't it Exactly. We, we left school. Um, we, we both went different ways. Um, I was very much focused on getting a career to facilitate me playing music. That's, that's all I wanted to do, really. Um, 
you got, you were working at Butchers and you had your house with your mates. And I didn't even think at the time, oh, I should get a house with my mates because I I met my first girlfriend and, and bought a house with her. Yeah. And it was, that was the way things were. Um, never did I really think that we'd split up, but we did when she decided somebody else was more important than I was. Um, so that was, that was the end of that. And then you sort of try and have to pick yourself up mm. and, and figure out what's what. And during that time, you were doing your thing. You, you, yeah. you'd gone off, you're off to New Zealand and that, that was your life. That was, that was I've been gone from them for 17 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But this is, this is yeah. it. You know, you've, you've got your life and I'm not going to say to you, oh, you would get, because you just left me in the lurch and I'll no, I know that, but time. I can. I that's can... ridiculous. Yeah, that is just utter nonsense. So, but uh, we can both wish that we, um, we can both wish that we were there for each other when the other one needed, can't we? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, th I think that's that's fair to say that you know, um, there's times when I thought I should message Rob and see how he's getting on because yeah. I knew that you'd sort of. Had, um, moved on from your home and this and the other and we're trying to set up again and get going and uh i didn't do that and probably should have done but you were going through your shit i was going through yeah. my shit and and we just got no idea where you meet in the middle sometimes and that that's part of being human isn't it really yeah is trying to figure out where you all fit in this great big bloody puzzle and uh We'll find it. <laughs> we yeah. will find it. And <laughs> so two, two years ago, so that would have been like 2018, I promised to take a hike in. And we still haven't um, done that because like, like basically I didn't have enough money for a ferry and then we got locked down. Exactly. You know, it, and changed, so, you know, so we will have that changed. hiking trip together. It will happen. Yeah. It will happen. But, you know, when it does, it will be great. But we, we, we can push it and it will just, and if you try and force it, it'll be, oh, it won't be oh, right. So the last time I saw you in the flesh was when I got, um, no, sorry, it was 29, it must have been the back end of 2018, going into 2019, that I promised you a hike. Um, that sounds a bit dirty, and then I meant it. Um, <laughs> Are you going to take me up the North Mountain? Something like that. <laughs> um, That's another Frozen. I will, leave you, I will leave you, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so... Uh, 2018 when we got evicted from our house and we had to go and live in the caravan i knocked on your door with a carrier bag for the vine maiden you stuff did. you did because i thought it's too good to go to the charity shop i know someone will like that yeah and um, it's gone straight into my lockable case of all my i thought you were gonna say straight down the charity shop <laughs> <laughs> straight down the charity shop no no it's all gone it's all gone into my little lockbox i've got a lockbox of all my uh, deluxe sign stuff that i keep um and special things that I keep that no one, no one sees, no one touches. So, Special yeah. maiden friend, indeed, indeed. So, uh, and I just wanted to say before, um, you two kind of got on a roll, but about you not having stuff recorded, you should come out and when we do the Christmas song again this year, come out and play bass on it for me. Okay, I'd love that. That'd be really cool, and you could do some vocals because. My bassist refuses to play Christmas songs, so Nate won't have anything to do with my Christmas project. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah, if, you, if you'd like to, obviously no pressure, but yeah. if you'd like to come play bass and do some vocals, that would be really cool. Very much up for that, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so earlier on when we were talking about um, uh, you writing stuff, and then we got 
sidetracked. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it's actually made the edit, but um, me and Sam, we've been talking about um, our different levels of being able to play and how right. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a free called campfire strummer. And I, yeah. I, I have said that I would still like to be able to play guitar well enough to play with you. With me? Yeah. I reckon we've. I reckon me and you have got a couple of songs in us. I I very much believe that. Good, um, good. I'm glad I, you said that. <laughs> but I just, but bathing that, bathing that, right? Because you can <clears throat> sing like you can sing. Yeah, you can sing. I can't sing. You can sing, right? So <laughs> I, I've said. Oh, I've said to Sam from a bit earlier. <laughs> I've, said, I've said to Sam that if I was ever to be in any band ever like think of all the bands over the span of time if i can be in any one of those bands it would be a lemonheads tribute band not even the lemonheads <laughs> no not no i don't want to be that good <laughs> a lemonheads cover band so do you want to be in a lemonheads cover band with me you can play bass and sing and i'll play the acoustic guitar yeah yeah we're 160 miles um, apart you can say yes <laughs> yeah uh, I'll, I'll fit it into my really, really busy talking schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually written a song. Nice. I thought, because I, I, I've never really thought about writing songs before, because, uh, you know, I don't, I've never really felt that, you know, I've never classed myself as a musician. I can, I can get a noise out of a guitar, but I'm not a musician. Anyway, I sat down and write, wrote a song, and to be fair, it's pretty fucking good, so I'm not going to write anymore. <laughs> That's it. I've done that. I've, ri I've written arguably That's... the greatest song in the world. It's called Hey You, You Dirty Little Boy. <laughs> nice. I was inspired by my... I was inspired by Isaac Salton's sofa picking his nose and eating it. That's grim. Nice. So, and okay. it's kind of got a bit of a Frank Black and the Catholics vibe to it. Very nice. Um, yeah, I think it might be... Yeah. I think it might be the best song, well, certainly the best song I've ever written. So I've nailed songwriting. Completed it. You want to be in a band? Yeah, completed it. <laughs> so anyway, you've got another CD. So an hour in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Another CD I've listened to uh, this week is uh, This Week I Have Been Mostly Listening <laughs> To. The darkness. Ah, the darkness. You mentioned me, Roy. Yeah. Um, recent album of theirs, uh, Easter is cancelled. All right. Um, very good. A complete shift away from their sort of uh, cock rock. Um, it, it's attempting to write serious songs. Um, still really good. Um, absolutely love them. Yeah. I. I think they're. I still think they're an amazing band, and so one of they the... continue to write fantastic music. And go on. No, so I was just going to say one of the records that we, we might. I've, I've. This is a good point. Good bit to segue. Um, one of the records yeah. you wanted to talk about was uh, Pinewood Smile by the Darkness. By the Darkness, yeah. Now I yeah. now I remember you really liking the Darkness, like when that first record came out. Yeah. Um, and I knew you'd like them because you mm. bought the second album as well. I did, yeah. I, I don't think many people, hell. yeah, I don't think many people did. And then I just got like, then I went off traveling, and I never really engaged with the darkness. 
So, yeah. So this I week I've been listening to, to Land. And yeah. You, yeah, and you kind of went, oh, I don't want to listen to it. And then you come back to me like about a month later and said, I listened to it. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, fair enough. It, it is really, really good. Um, but I think Permission to Land for me is probably second best to Pinewood Smile. Right. And uh, there's quite a few reasons for that. Um, Pinewood Smile has got some of the fastest guitar work they've done. There's elements where they really are verging on speed metal and um, the Hawkins brothers do a fantastic job of it. Um, Japanese Prisoner of Love um, is an absolutely brilliant track off it. Uh, is there one track on there called Take Me to Bed Barbara or something like that? Yeah. Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, because um, I did, was listened to it this week. I, I quite like Lay Down. Yeah, that's Lay it. Down With Me Barbara. That's Underneath it. The Candelabra. Yeah, I quite like that. That was quite good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it really is. Um, uh, it's full of all sorts. It's soft. I mean, there's a bit in that Lay Down With Me Barbara where it uses like a, um, a delayed, uh, almost like fuzz uh, sound on his guitar. But it's just got the way he plays his lead break on it, which is kind of it's riffing off itself. It plays and it's got a response mm. from the uh, from the delay, and then he riffs off that. And it, it's a really beautifully uh, orchestrated lead break. And uh, recently, read an interview with uh, Justin, and one of his guitar heroes is his brother, because <laughs> he said sometimes I just can't understand how he does what he does on the guitar. When you listen to the darkness, you do literally think that they really are exceptional musicians. Exceptional. Yeah, that's what stood out to me when I listened to that album. Um, I you uh, you said it's a, a later album. You were saying that's a bit more like the serious album, if you will. Yeah. Um, Twenty seventeen. Right. I think it was. I, I wondered if, if um, this was going to be um, the, the Pinewood album was going to be like the serious album. If you know, I didn't really know the timeline. Mm. And I put it on, and I really like that it's it's still pretty fun. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. first track, and like yeah. the the musicianship on it. Like I, I'm not, I won't lie. I didn't, you know, I didn't listen to it oh, like back and back over a few times. But I listened to most of the album, and like the musicianship of it is incredible. And for a band who um, I don't know whether this is this might be a reflection of what I liked when the darkness was sort of around originally. Yeah, like, um, I don't think I ever really appreciated that about them, and I never took them overly seriously. Do you know what I mean? I always thought they were a bit of a joke band, yes. almost. To be, but you know, you can see see where you get that idea, um, especially from someone who just listened to like three minute punk songs of all, all that time. Like the playing on it is ridiculous. Like it's, unreal. and they're such a like you can tell they're a good band, like a tight band. Like them, like whether you like them or not, like they're they are a good, good band, and he's an incredible, yeah, very, very good. Like, you know, I have a view about the darkness that feels like they're taking the piss. Yeah, but I don't. I never. Are they taking the piss out of the music they're playing? Are they taking yes. the piss out of themselves by playing it? Are they taking the piss out of me for liking the music that? But they're definitely taking the piss out of something, but I can't put my finger on what they're taking the piss out of. They're, they're taking the piss out of the, um, the whole sort of pomposity of the music industry, mm. I believe. Mm. 
that's the way I take yeah. it. Is because they're like, why can't I record songs about me being locked up in the Japanese prison and getting rimmed by my cellmate? Why not? <laughs> you know? Um, uh, just looking through the track listings, All the Pretty Girls, um, it's singing about the girls who attend their gigs and their mums. Yeah. Because now they're older. Yeah. Their mums are quite dishy too, you know? Uh, Buccaneer's a Hispaniola, a complete and utter... I mean, the intro to Buccaneer and his vocals to Buccaneer's a Hispaniola are absolutely astronomical. Mm. And... Um, there's only one other band or, or one other person that could get rid of, uh, that could get away with writing songs about Vikings, and that's well, it's two people, Iron Maiden and Ronnie James Dio. There's not many people who can get away with that type of thing, you know. Solid Gold, they're writing a song about um, literally, they're writing a song about writing really good songs. We're never going to stop shitting out Solid Gold. Mm. That is a great, I, I like video. that song to be honest. It's like, great, cool. you know. And but, then, yeah, you know, I don't know whether like. Are they taking the piss out of um, us because we like Iron Maiden? Or are they just... Do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, I, I get what, you, what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that's that's what alienates them a lot from a fan mm. base is that, you know, people do think that oh, they're just taking the piss. I bet but they're actually, fucking good live, though. Mate, I've seen them three, uh, twice now. All right. Um, I saw them at the NEC when uh, their Christmas single was out. Great, um, great Christmas, Christmas song. Fantastic. Absolutely. And the video for it, I mean, you know, getting gifts that we despise and he holds up a <laughs> never print yeah. song. It's like, yeah, don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but they are, I, th I think that's the whole point of what they're doing. They're just going, this whole thing is a complete sham and we're just having a barrel yeah. of doing it. Me, and uh, I think there's a song, um, I, I don't know if it's on Pinewood Smile or if it's on one of the other albums, which basically just saying, um, I'm in a band with my brother and my two best mates. <laughs> and, and that's one of the lyrics from the songs. Um, We've also had conversations about, I think Sam was talking about the Gaslight Anthem. Do you know the Gaslight yeah, Anthem? I've heard of them, yeah. And that's on, do bands have to change the world or can they just be a rocking band? And I see the darkness is just a rocking band. Yeah. But they're a fucking good rocking band, like. Exactly. I mean, I, um, as I said, uh, I watched them when I played Lake Fest, when our band played Lake Fest. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I forgot that was going to happen. Wait a second. Alexa, set best room to 100%. Okay. Yeah, come on. You've got a best room like your mum has a best room. Yeah, yeah. The old-fashioned best room, yeah. Yeah, this is where I'm sat in, no best room. I, I've just turned my wife's bedroom on, bedroom lights on. Now, to have a house big <laughs> enough to keep a room for best. Because we were never allowed in the front room at your mum's, were we? No, not at all. No, never. <laughs> and then ever. if we went to your room and you, if we went up into your room and your dad was on nights, we get fucking shouted out for the slightest whisper. <laughs> exactly. And of course, the only time you ever did sleep in the best room um, or stay in the best room was when you were sleeping in the best room and my sister came home from the nightclub and got in bed. <laughs> no, 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 you say that, you say that, right? So what happened was I was sleeping in the back room and then your sister tried to try and come and get into bed with me ah so so i migrated to the front room that was it to escape your sister <laughs> escape mate brilliant she was either gonna fuck me or fight me <laughs> i didn't want either i remember listening to the regaled story the following day and thought oh my god oh she's pissed as fuck like yeah and she did get she did get absolutely shit faced in fairness she had so, to be uh, getting in bed with me <laughs> 
I'm just gonna like, sort if, out. If, I, if I was in an actual bed with a duvet, that I was like literally on the floor in the back room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. That was good days. Good days. Um, so yeah, I th- as you quite rightly say, I think the darkness arch is literally just saying, I don't care. I just want to play rock and roll. Um, so just going through the track list in there. Uh, Why don't the beautiful cry? Basically, a song about Justin Hawkins being really fucking ugly. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I think this album is is um, an absolutely fantastic. It's like a little story in itself about um, them as musicians, them as uh, insecure people. You know, uh, and again, you know, you've got. Um, I wish I was in heaven with you. So he's singing about somebody's lost. Um, it's quite a deep song that one, in fairness. Um, and it literally goes from "I wish I was in heaven." Again, to say it's a song about loss to happiness, uh, followed by a song "Stampede of Love," which is mm-hmm. about um, feeders uh, feeding up fat people. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you don't get a more mixed album than this. Right. It's and and that's um, that's that's why uh, when I said to Rob, "What do you want me to put down as my my records?" He said, "Well, whatever you want." And I thought, "Well, I, I can't just literally condense everything mm. I've ever listened to into just three albums that have influenced me." So my choices were one, which was my major influence. The next one, which was something recently that has really, really touched me emotionally. To you know, um, I'm a heavy metal lover, and there's songs on the album that I cannot listen to without crying. It's really, really hard to listen to, um, and there's reasons for that, which we'll explain when we get to that one later. Um, and <clears throat> this one, the most surprising. Now, I'm a massive fan of the darkness, so why would a darkness album be surprising? It's surprising because I didn't even know it fucking existed. Oh, okay. So listening back to their back catalogue that I've missed for a decade has been one of the most pleasurable surprises I've had in a long time. It's nice. It's nice. It's almost like um, finding a new band because um, we, we were talking the other day about The Replacements, who like right. re- released Let It Be in like 1984. And I hadn't really heard them at all. Um, there was a couple of the songs by Paul Westerberg on the soundtrack to singles. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cameron Crowe film, it had like, um, it, was, it was mostly like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam on that album. And then these two songs by Paul Westerberg. And I found out that Paul Westerberg was the lead singer of The Replacements. Went mm-hmm. back to listen to The Replacements, like in the 90s. Didn't really get on with it. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then like maybe four or five years ago, went back and listened to it again. And I recommended it to mm. Sam to listen to. What mm. do you reckon? Like, no, it was really good. That album, I and mean, that's it's such yeah, a good album. Yeah. Like, and it's like discovering a new artist, and mm. there's all that stuff there. You know, it's it's just new. But do you think your as you've got older, your musical tastes the tastes develop? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I, I really don't give a toss anymore. If it's I, all I care about is well-written songs. Mm. Yeah, I don't care whether it's got sprawling guitar solos or if it's heavy or if it's in the genre of stuff that I always listen to. Now, I like I listen to stuff I like. Yeah, I definitely find that the last few years. Like we've spoken about it on here before, but like there was there's a period of time, isn't there? And, you, and when you kind of get into something and that's what you like, and everything else around it is, mm. it's not even stuff that you. You don't like it's just something you've not eat. It's not even like you're not you're not interested in it. You know, um, oh, it's that band. No, I don't like that band. Why would I listen to it? Yeah. 
See, I was looking through um, my CD pouch. I've got a massive pouch, yeah. like um, 100 odd CDs that um, I took out of all the cases because I, I wanted to have them in my car back when CD players were the thing in cars. <laughs> and I was flicking through it. And do you know what? 1998 was a phenomenal yeah. year for music. I have literally, I, was, I realized that I haven't got the majority of these CDs backed up. So I started going through a series of backing up. And the Hives. Oh, yeah. Cool band, the Hives. What an amazing band. Yeah. What an amazing band. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the CD was scratched. It, it wouldn't back up for Love Nor Money. So I'm going to have to see if I can find that one again. But um, 98. Um, I was listening to uh, Silver Sun. I don't even remember Silver Sun. Yeah, they did. A, they had a good single in charts. I'll see you around was the name mm-hmm. of the song. And I'm going to get a ping. I knew Leon would mention this because it's a ping. Uh, Space Hog, Resident yeah, Alien. I, I honestly thought that was going to be on one of the records that you choose. I honestly thought you'd go for that Space Hog album to talk about yeah. because you absolutely loved it, and I can never I understand why. Yeah, like I couldn't even name this. Tra- the track a track on it i did but i know space hog leon loved them and i still do and they've released some brilliant albums yeah. since uh they're, they're kind of uh defunct at the moment but yeah. he's he's still on um he does a lot of facebook uh podcasts of him just on the piano oh, cool. uh sing, singing along to songs from from his past albums and there was a there was an album that came shortly after resident alien called um the chinese album and um I remember being at work, I was, uh, I'd have been uh, 18, 19 years mm. old. And uh, one of the one of my work colleagues sort of sauntered into the print room and kind of went, got any fucking CDs to listen to? And it's like, there's a fucking CD. Fuck off. And uh, he went away, listened to it. He came back, he said, it's fucking brilliant. No, That's really cool. good. And it's like, really? I, I honestly would not have thought you liked it. He said, no, it's brilliant. But it's got like, is it Michael Stipe? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. he, he records a song on there called um, Almond Kisses beautiful song absolutely gorgeous song and it, it's, a, it's a brilliant album um, and they go and again it's a really diverse album I, I really like diversity in, in what I'm listening to so it goes from like really sort of um, dark laments up to a song called Mungo City which is just about like um, like the Las Vegas overindulgence and uh, extreme lifestyle um and that is a really good album, but that's not one of my selecteds. Um, no, Res- I am going to go back and listen to that though, because all, all whenever I hear Space Hog, I just think, oh, they on the that album, that Resident Alien album. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, check. It was that Resident out. Alien, wasn't it? Was um, that? And it was Res- Resident Alien, wasn't it? Resident Alien, yeah. But yeah. the thing, the thing that got me into Resident Alien was at the time there was an Australian film. Uh, it's a really underlying cult uh, Australian film called Malcolm. All right. Uh, and it's about a, a lad who's, um, who's perceived to have learning difficulties, but inside he's an absolute technical genius. Um, and he creates things and he's making all these things. And in the background, there's this whenever he's creating stuff. And that was sampled onto um, uh, In the Meantime by... Uh, in the Meantime, that's the song I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, beautiful bass line. Bump, bump. Mm. Lovely bass line. And I would recommend anybody listen to Resident Alien. Because again, it's uh, it's an album of uh, difference, uh, total diversity throughout. I'll be honest. When we um, Rob said, "Oh, Leon's got his list," the fact that, and this is probably just my memories of of you two, the fact that it wasn't three Iron Maiden albums. 
surprise me because I think I'd imagine you easily could have picked three Iron Maiden albums. Power Slave, Life After Death, Seven Summers, Seven <laughs> Sun, there you go. That was it. That was my original list. <laughs> Leon, would you like to introduce the um, Iron Maiden record you've chosen to discuss this evening? Um, the Iron Maiden record that I have chosen to discuss this evening uh, is Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. What a fucking album. Indeed, isn't it just? That was probably in, in my... Probably, yeah, definitely my top three Maiden albums. At one point, like when I was banging into them, um, like when we were kids, it was definitely my favourite. And I, so. I, be honest, like remembering back to those days, you always loved Peace of Mind. So when, yeah. like, you always said Peace of Mind was your favourite, and I, so I was, that's what I was expecting to see. Killers is my favourite, without a shadow of a doubt. Paul Diano is second album, and the reason for that is it was almost like the first album was what could we put on our album that's not full metal but not rock but kind of somewhere in the middle that we and a bit punky and yeah catch a lot of people so the first album was directed at lots of different a broad spectrum of the uh, audience base killers was i'm sorry the first one was all right but i think the second one's going to be metal and they got Martin Birch on board to record it. And it is almost like, a, this is what we've done now. Just you fucking wait for the third one. Mm. And when the third one came out, it was like, Number the Beast. Oh, my God. New singer. This is just incredible. Um, I haven't chosen Number the Beast because of that reason, because it is literally like everyone's choice. The reason that I have chosen... Seven Son of a Seven Son is very simple. When Seven Son of a Seven Son was out, I asked Mum to buy me the single version of That's My Prerogative by Bobby Brain. <laughs> mm, here we go. This is it, right? My mum said... Is it, no. is it, right, right. I was going to ask you how you got into Maiden because I, I never, I've never had that story of how you got into Maiden. Um, here it comes. <laughs> when I first met... right. When I first met you in the spring of 1992, so mm -hmm. that was like summer term of second year at high school, we moved to Lempster. I met you. Um, yeah. I was into like Guns N' Roses, a bit of Bon Jovi, kind yeah. of flirted with Iron Maiden a bit, but you fucking loved them. Yeah. And we just kind of got together over mutual love of their guitars, I suppose. And then yeah. you kind of indoctrinated me into the ways of the Maiden. Yeah, <laughs> but I never really got the story of how you got into Maiden because, like, Stefan was more classic rock. Yeah, he likes status quo and things like that. Yeah. yeah, and Gene, I've never really known what sort of stuff he's into. And your dad, I know he's been to see Maiden with you, but he never seemed yeah. like a all like yeah. rocker. But I may have that up, wrong. He grew up listening to like Jim Reeves and Slim Whitman, yeah. um, also um, status quo, and so he, you know, dad would get pissed listening to Jimi Hendrix, yeah. which is great you know um so mum was always into country and uh you know raw Orbison and all that type of thing so for me growing up with my brothers um it was impossible not to like status quo and not to like queen I, it was on all the time i grew up listening to those things so um when i heard that's my prerogative donor and i thought oh this is different i quite like this mum will you buy me that's my prerogative no 
because I haven't got the money. You've got five brothers and sisters who all want stuff. I need, you need school shoes, you need blah, blah. You're not having, that's my prerogative. And you're the baby of the bunch. Yeah, and I thought, mm, fair enough, okay. I'll have to listen to Kylie Minogue, Locomotion, and my brother's LP player, <laughs> in a record player again. Yeah, good on So, then that was the way it was. Um, the amount of times I listened to uh, The Way You Make Me Feel by my, Michael Jackson on my brother's seven-inch LP, but it was just, you know. Did you have um, Sky at that point? No, not because like three. Oh right, because like when we were kids, like you were the you were the one mate who had Sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like yeah. we'd come and watch Star Trek at you. I'd come and watch Star Trek at yours. Yeah, and you just come and have tea, and we'd sit and watch Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, top, that's it. Yeah, top stuff. Yeah, yeah. top stuff. Sorry, but, uh, yeah, Sky was uh, about sort of ninety two, ninety three ish. Um, uh, I I got into Maiden in eighty eight when um, Can I Play with Madness came out. Um, and it it was for the exact opposite reason um, of liking their music, okay? I, I heard Can I Play Madness, saw the video on uh, Top of the Pops, and thought to myself, oh, what's this shit? <laughs> that is God's honest truth. That is God's honest truth, okay? I then asked mum to buy me Bobby Brown, that's my prerogative. She wouldn't. So I went over to play uh, on the Amiga with my mate, Simon Jones. And, you know, as you do, bemoaned my mother and father for not buying me. That's my prerogative. You know, they were the worst parents on the planet. And my mate went, oh, well, he said, never mind. Have a listen to that. Took it home, listened to it. And I thought, oh, this is a song that was on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, okay. And that was the very, very day that I became the early formative musician that I am now. If it hadn't have been for my mum saying, no, you're not listening to Bobby Brown, <laughs> and my mate saying, here's this, listen to this, I would never be doing this now. Never be playing in the band. i tell you something else. If your mum had bought you that Bobby Brown record, we wouldn't have been mates. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. That is exactly it. Uh, and, uh, anecdotally, as part of this whole thing, um, I remember having... Um, James Lawrence, remember James Lawrence? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he gave me Live After Death on cassette. Yeah, said he didn't want it. That's fine. It was double cassette. I think it was either double cassette or single cassette. I think it was double. Double that was. Uh, yeah, he gave me the double cassette and said, "Yeah, I might as well have that. I don't want to listen to it anymore." Okay, no worries. I'll take it. And I remember sitting uh, at uh, West Malvern Outdoor Education Centre mm -hmm. and being um, chronically depressed. That, that was at the end of year eight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I was sitting um, on the table. Yeah, because I hadn't been at school very long. At that, at yeah, that school very long then. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was. Yeah, we were sort of summer. freshly mates then. I think. Yeah. And I remember sitting underneath the table, um, and feeling really badly depressed. Um, probably wasn't homesick. I was just feeling really depressed about just you know same, same only sort of things. Having, only having me for a mate. Uh, well no that that was never a depressive subject oh, mate. Um, but and I remember listening to that album and they did a version of Trooper on Life After Death uh, and that was epiphanal for me just listening to that was like and the lyrics are still part of something um, and it's why I've got the tattoo of the intro on my arm uh, the guitar intro is, is here around as a, a band around now because You'll take my life, but I'll, I'll take yours too. It's 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 basically yeah, all right. You might 
screw me over, you might fuck me over, but I, I will win. I will yeah, win yeah. this. And that that was another kind of uh, formative moment. It was about sort of three years after I got into Maiden and never really made the connection of uh, music actually touching you mm-hmm. within, you know. It was just something that went into your ears and you enjoyed it. Um, at that point, I was listening to Rain in Blood by Slayer as well. And Good album, there, huh? I've got to say that there's no there's no spiritual connection with Rain in Blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we saw but, Slayer at Reading. Hazel said they made her teeth hurt. I said, that's a good fucking point for you. <laughs> yeah, I saw Slayer at Nebworth. That was yeah. uh, that was top. That was very, very good. Uh, but alongside that... Um, Chas and Dave blew him off the stage. I thought Chas and Dave. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. we that. said this about we said this about the um, big day out in '99. You had like Marilyn Manson and Metallica and Ministry and Monster Magnet and Terrorvision were the best band in the day. Yeah, it, it's know. madness because I remember you talking on one of the previous podcasts about um, Feeder, yeah. and you're saying that they've literally been consistently one of the worst bands you've seen. And I remember going up to Leeds Festival with you um, being absolutely stoked that we were going to get to see Rancid, uh, Supergrass and uh, Manic Street Preachers. Fun Loving Criminals. Um, Fun Loving Criminals. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still remember. Fun, I remember the... Frank Black. There, Frank, yeah, Frank Black we saw. Um, uh, should have seen Wheatus, but they cancelled last minute, if you recall. Oh, I wasn't fussed about Wheatus. Yeah, I wanted to see Wheatus because I was kind of into them at the time. And I saw feeder oh yeah yeah and i literally remember um watching feeder and rob was saying i've seen these a few times shit and it's like oh well i like this stuff it's really nice stuff and he come on he went he went he had his guitar on his shoulder and he went i'm feeder uh, i think i might play some songs um and just started playing and all the people were sat across there was like a little ridge i remember to the right of where we were stood and they were all sat across the ridge and there was all these people down the front and they started playing and I distinctly remember just a large amount of those people turned around and just walking away. Yeah. And I remember thinking, how can you be at that level of your career where you're that sort of renowned and literally be that bad? I, I, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And literally in between songs, you go, thanks, um, is the next one. And just start playing again. It was like, whoa. You know. See, for me, with Feeder, it was always a sense of disappointment because the first time I saw them when they supported Terrorvision, they were so fucking good. Mm. They were really, really good. And then when their record came out, it was just like a completely different band. And every time... I, I must have seen them... Well, I saw them on a double headliner with Everclear and they were terrible. I must have seen mm. them at five or six festivals and they were just always fucking boring. But yeah. that first time I saw them, they were so good. But do you think that's um, kind of big band syndrome? Yeah, maybe. You know, because um, Maiden went through a spell um, post Power Slave mm-hmm. where they were really exhausted from touring, just spent time apart from each other outside gigs and things like that. And it just didn't really sort of fire Yeah, but you say big band bands. syndrome there for Iron Maiden. Like after Power Slave, like, what was Power Slave? Like their fifth record, sixth record? Fifth. Yeah, but Feeder was shit after their first record was released. When yeah. I, when they supported Terrorvision, they were... Oh, oh, this is bullshit. We can't compare Iron Maiden to fucking Feeder, for fuck's sake. Mm. There's no comparison, is there, really? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. anyway, we'll bring it back round. Um, seventh Son of the Seventh Son, yeah. I think, is a fucking great album. And yeah. I completely understand why you chose it 
apart from maybe like the title track, which does drag a bit now, mm. the, the, like 20 years on from when I first loved it, everything else on there is a winner, I reckon. Yeah, there's, there's not much on there that's bad. So me and you could literally get our willies <laughs> out and just... <laughs> Fap over seven and, and just, for like 20 minutes. Yeah, we could. But I'll be interested <laughs> to hear what Sam has to say because like me, me and you, we both know... Like my, like my favorite track on the album is probably the clairvoyant. Yeah, I think it's yeah. amazing. First bass line I ever learned was clairvoyant. I was surprised, and again, it might be because I haven't listened to it for like twenty years. I, well, one, I was surprised that I still knew all the words, and I was prancing around the kitchen like a dickhead, <laughs> but I still knew all the words. But I was surprised at the um, theatricality in Bruce Dickinson's delivery. Like, yeah, I didn't remember that. Like it's almost like some of them could. Not show tunes, but I, I don't want to be disparaging and say musical theatre, but there's that sort of narrative yeah. theatrical part of it. Yeah. And but I don't don't know whether I registered that first time round, but this like twenty years gap <coughs> since I listened to it last, I fucking loved it. I'll um yeah. I'll jump in and I'll and I'll stop you there because I was that's something that I noticed straight away with it is that it's so it is. It is like musical theatre. It absolutely is, and I and that's in like that's not. I don't. I'm not having a dig at it there. I'm not a massive Iron Maiden fan. I know a lot of their stuff, obviously, because it was always on as as a as a wee lad. And you know they're they're, they're one of the they're, they're one of the classic bands, aren't they? You know everyone knows I yeah. Iron Maiden are. Um, I really enjoyed listening to it. I must say, and the the level of the theatricalness in it it's off the scale at times like it's ridiculous like he is yeah. like something that i find it interestingly on about your all your picks are like all extremely strong vocalists yes. and like there's there's bits of it and I, what i liked about the sound as well is that it made me want to go away and like read about it and stuff so like you can tell it's, it's pretty much a concept album isn't it it's like it's from a yeah. novel and I, I didn't know that as I, I went and read a bit about it. And that just adds to it. And you can you can then hear like that there's obviously amazing songwriting by the band and like the musicianship it again is 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 really you know, it's proper, isn't it? You know. But then there's obviously like yeah. all that what it's based upon. So you've got like those levels yeah. of like of penmanship to it. And then I, yeah. I Rob sent me a message and I sent the the lads in the band a message said, oh, I've listened to this today. Can I come on to why I said, sent it to them? And Scott, <laughs> our guitarist, just replied saying, can I play with Madness? Great pop. And Rob said exactly the same thing. And it is. I said, yeah. the evil that men do in Can I Play With Madness are mm. perfect pop songs. Indeed. Absolutely. But, yeah, but... 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when, when we were first into them, if I had described Iron Maiden as pop, you would have beat me around the head. They yeah. <laughs> and in fairness, but having sort of listened to the back catalogue for many, many years, the first album is, mm. unfortunately, it is an attempt at being commercially mm. acceptable mm. at the time. That was a, a bridge album, as, I, as I've come to call it. It, it's where they just try to capture as big an audience as possible. And uh, in fairness, it's fantastic business acumen mm -hmm. from Rod and Steve. They yeah. knew exactly what they were doing. Exactly. What's um, your favourite song on Seventh Son then? Mine? Yeah. 
Um, it's it's very very difficult because the first baseline I ever learned was clairvoyant. Mm. A beautiful baseline, absolutely astronomical. Um, quick fingers. Um, it's where I kind of. Maybe your sex tape. <laughs> that song, clairvoyant, got me into having quicker fingers. So that kind of made me realise that I could play quite quickly. But for me, it will always always be between two tracks on that one is moonchild because what mm. a fucking opener you mm. can't beat it for an opener the way it's sort of the drum i am he it's just you know and that's wrong 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 one but first opening track you can't beat it it's astronomically good uh, same as power slave you can't beat aces eyes and opening track for power slave but secondly the prophecy mm-hmm. For the simple reason being, it starts off at a um, uh, the key of I think uh, A minor, and instantly just goes mid verse uh, down to E flat with no indication mm-hmm. it's about to happen at all. It just does it. It's like whoa, that's an amazing change. And then when the song finally peters out, there's that absolutely beautiful piece of acoustic playing. Um, mm-hmm. Almost a medieval lament. It's just gorgeous and again learn to play it on bass even though it's a guitar piece learn to play it on bass those two songs just stand out i mean moon child yeah it's great be damn soon child you know you'll be mine soon child rather and yeah i could yeah. definitely but, understand yeah, that. No, yeah. Um, did you like it then sam as a piece yeah as a, as a, yeah absolutely right, yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i thought i would to be fair i wasn't sat there thinking oh fucking hell i made them i thought you were gonna hate no, that no, not at all no like familiar, isn't it? A lot of it, you know. I was a bit worried about how it was going to stand up, like I say, with the gap from the last time I listened to it, mm. you know, mm. and it, it being almost like I was, um, I suppose, almost like I'm going going with an old girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. Is that, it yeah. going to be the same as it was? Maybe I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but but you know, oh it, yeah, it, she it, was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cracking ride, indeed. So uh, what I but, would say on, on Maiden, just to um, finish my, my little take on it, is um, um, I, I don't, and I could be wrong here because it's not really my, my wheel eggs, but like I always kind of get the impression that like Iron Maiden aren't a very cool band in the metal mm-hmm. industry. Like it's a little bit like, oh, it's Maiden, if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. but like, we listened to um, a Megadeth album for another episode of this. And, like, I got, you know, and similarities to me amongst that. Like, it's kind of like there's that um, mythical edge to some of the lyrics. And, like, yeah. Um, and the, the guitar playing is obviously incredible. Um, is that still yeah. Adrian Smith on that album? Which, uh, what, Seven Sun? Yeah, it's still Adrian. Yeah, yeah, that was his last, yeah. And and at times where I thought, you know, like Moonchild, it, like the vocals are amazing. It's an amazing performance. And I did start to think like, oh, am I, how am I going to get on with this? But then just around the corner, you've got like kind of Pearl Madness and stuff like that. And then at the end where you might, again, you start to think, you've got that big, long, epic track in the middle of it. But then like Clairvoyant and only the good thy young come in and it kind of like, yeah, come on. Back yeah. Yeah, and the reason that I sent the this uh, I took a screen grab of it and sent it to the lads and said, "Oh, 
listening to this for the band, for the, for the podcast this week. And I, I say that, and we've been a band for probably, I don't know, five, four or five years, something like that. And I don't think we've ever, and I mean ever, got through a band practice where somebody hasn't played the trooper. <laughs> right. <laughs> like every you know, Mike, Mike's quite he like likes his metal, and I think he, he's you know a, a, a fan. Um and like even if it's just like the start of the intro, someone will play it, or like Mike will be playing the drums and the drums are a bit bit made in that, then it'd be like da 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 you know, and then all right, I'll be yeah. going. So yeah, they they yeah. seep in, don't they? <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, I, I we don't play Maiden in my band, uh, and there's a reason for that. Um, as Rob quite rightly says, we're a dance band. Mm. Um, you can you you can headbang to Iron Maiden without a doubt, but there's no sort of uh, mate. I can dance shaking. to Maiden. You just see me in the kitchen in the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's and I think there's a there's kind of like for Maiden at the moment there is a major resurgence and has been for quite a long time now, probably the last decade where they are be just getting stronger and stronger and more and more people are just going, you know, it's almost like um, coming out. People are going, Mum, Dad, I like I've been a maiden. <laughs> oh, can't you be gay? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, to be honest, I think a bit of it too. is that, like, in about 96, 97, mm. probably, probably close to 97, um, Dave Arrowsmith said to said to me like well and, and rich um motorhead are touring do you fancy it and we were like well i don't know but we probably should because it'd be dead because then we'd be dead soon and we'll be able to say we've seen motorhead and then i think mm. we saw that motorhead like six or eight times in uh, over yeah. the next few years so i'm wondering whether that resurgence is part of that let's see them while we can i think you're right yeah and, and that's part of the reason why i try and see them at every every opportunity i mean is. one of my um like to be fair, like I, I, when we were at school, I was banging into them with you, mm. and then like after we left school, like, I got into other stuff, and like I listened to them a bit, but didn't listen to them as much as you always have done. I'm mm. so pleased we saw them. Yeah, um, yeah I do wish I would would like to see them with Bruce Dickinson. I still would it's... like. To. I haven't. I'd really like to like, but at the same time, I don't think we'll ever see. Iron Maiden with Bruce Dickinson in such a small venue as we saw saw exactly. them in Newport. Exactly. That I mean, that literally was, a leisure centre. It was, yeah. Over 3,000 people. It was incredible. Incredible. Pretty good. But I, I don't think we'll ever get the opportunity to see them that close up. Well, I say that close up. I was at the front at Donington. Yeah. So it was, I was like, from here to the top of my road away. But Seven Sun for me was the turning point for me becoming musically um, enlightened, should we say. And that's why I chose that one over um, Killers. Killers is my favourite, without a doubt. Well, you speak about being enlightened musically, and I've kind of got this little thing that you're like my um, musical spirit guide, if you will. And like <laughs> you, you you said before, oh, well, you can't take any credit for that sort of thing. And um, But basically, in... Um, Easter or around Easter 1992, we moved house. We moved from Wiltshire up to up to Lempster, started mm -hmm. a new school, and um, yeah, you were there was you and Wayne Joy, yeah, Wayne Joy, Wayne um, Joy, yeah, yeah, pretty much 
yeah, the, the first friends I met, yeah, or first friends I made, and it really wasn't very long. I think we must have got chatting and like because I was definitely into Guns and Roses and Bon Jovi then because I, I think I'd got the we moved in the Easter, but I got the um Use Your Illusion 2 album for Christmas, like mm -hmm. like that year we moved up. So I was definitely into Guns N' Roses then. And I think we got together over like a, a shared love of their guitars. And I had heard some Iron Maiden before. So um, it wasn't long before, basically, we were sat on the school bus. And I think I've written somewhere that, you know, you provided the Walkman and the, the headphone splitter and the batteries and the music. Yeah. And it, it all came <laughs> from you. And one thing that really sticks out for me is that um i can remember being on the school bus going probably from luston as it goes around the back towards mortimer's cross yeah right? and there was a free song run of and i reckon you must have taped it off a of headbangers ball or something and this is why i was okay. saying earlier about you having the sky i can rem remember you um like you must have had some kind of setup where you could plug in to record the audio or something do you does that am i lying about that did i imagine no, no. that it was a computer microphone, you know, old sort of stick mic yeah. um, up against the speaker on my telly. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, so I, I'll get back. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get back to where I was going. But see, I reckon where we were, we were in Nemster. I reckon we were 20 miles from a shit record shop. Yeah, we were, yeah, yeah. And probably 30 from a good one. Yeah. But um, was it Skelton's? Skelton's in Nemster, yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. could go in there and say, can you get me? And they would you get you. Yeah. But other than that, my source of like new music, you know, that really got me into stuff was you. Yeah. Right. So, okay. And it was like you would say, Well, you done me a copy of Outcome the Wolves. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You done yeah. me a copy of Dookie. You done me a yeah. copy of Smash by Offspring, which is a I'm... fucking great album. You're not affiliated with record companies and you're trying to get me to admit to... It's all rude, mate. No, but again, this is this is another generational thing. I was talking to one of the lads at work the other day. I'll come on to that. <laughs> Here we go. So, um, yeah, um, generationally, you, you can put yourself in which generation you are based on um, your form of piracy. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's me and you who know the joys that me and you, Leon, who know... The joys of the C60 and the C90. Obviously, Indeed. the C60 was all right. You, you know, you could get a side on each side of the tape. Yeah, and it was quite nice and light and go. The C the C90 you could usually fit two albums on a tape, but it was yeah. a bit heavier. So if your battery's a bit drained, it would chew easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Sam, you would um, you would have burnt CDs for your mates. Yeah, that was a Napster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my apprentice, who's like 24, he would have downloaded stuff off LimeWire or BitTorrent Lime or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So or Napster. So yeah. we we so I had always had a, I always had C90s, and Mum would buy me a pack of C90s for Christmas, and I would just give them to you, and they would come back with a Maiden album on them, yeah, or something else. <laughs> but yeah, I remember this run of three songs, and it must have been off Headbangers Ball or something like that. So as we were on the school bus, and it was um, Iron Man by Black Sabbath, yeah, Rusty Cage by Soundgarden, and Cemetery Gates by Pantera. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and classics. Rusty Cage just changed everything for me. That, Amazing. That, as much as I loved Iron Maiden, there was just something about Cornell's vocals 
I mean, yeah. it's not dissimilar from like those heavy metal singers at all. But mm-hmm. you know, fast forward all these years, and like since Cornell passed, I can't listen to Soundgarden because like he's that important to me and all the stuff I listen to. Yeah, but I might not have had that if it wasn't for you and your moody tape off uh, Sky Telly. <laughs> So thank, you, so thank you very much for giving me Sandgarden. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. But, but I mean, I've still got, I still remember to this day having a cassette um, and it was a black cassette with a white Maxell label on it, right? And it had a red stripe and a blue stripe across the top. And on there was uh, Caius's, uh, Caius, um, Super Scoop. Yes. And I remember a lot of people asking me, I was playing it, and a lot of people asked me what that song was. So I gave them the, the, the cassette. And at some point, that cassette got uh, a part of a bourbon biscuit <laughs> inside it. <laughs> and it knackered up heads on so many people's cassette yeah. decks because they were all borrowing his cassette. And they were always broken my bloody tape player. And I still remember it to this day. And I think that I've still got that somewhere in a cassette box somewhere, that cassette. And there's yeah. so much on there. There's... Um, me and my friends is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Vinegar Joe is on there. Super Scoop and a Mighty Scoop. We've got Sand Garden doing Black Hole Sun, I believe. See, the first um, time I saw that tons. video was at your age. This is how I know you had Sky because where else would I have seen the Black Hole the Black Hole Sun video? Yeah. But at your house. Yeah, that yeah. would have been about ninety three. So yeah. when we were sort of fast Thank- friends, it was. Thank you for Beavers and Butthead as well. <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't seen Beavers and Butthead without your friendship. So, and well, what, what is it, life without Beavers and Butthead? Indeed, and and so much, <laughs> so much so. Um, I've got a friend in uh, Silver Creek, Georgia, who uh, very much a Maiden fan, same as me. And they sent me a picture the other day, and I was scrolling through our conversation, and this picture of Beavers and Butthead come up, and I thought, oh, that's brilliant. That's Beavers and Butthead. As I scrolled up a little further, they just had really large breasts. <laughs> You would though, wouldn't you? <laughs> and uh, I just thought to myself, that is incredible. And um, I've got the picture on my phone, but it doesn't make for very good audio. To be honest with you. Um, so, uh, um, just so because like, we just did quickly mention, sorry, Sam, this is probably quite boring no, for right. you. Um, so I know that like James Lawrence listened to like some metal and stuff as well. Yeah, he was big into ACDC and Sabbath. Yeah, but I don't recall anyone else really being into stuff like that. Um... No, I don't think it was. I think it was no. me, you and James. Pretty much so, metal. And I sort of, I did, like, I dabbled with stuff as I heard it. Like, as it, like so I'm sure there would have been Nirvana and Pearl Jam mm-hmm. on those tapes you'd done. But obviously it, it was Soundgarden that jumped out to me and that did that take me down that rabbit hole. But you never really went down that grunge rabbit hole, did you? No. Uh, it was seen at the time that um, they were a threat to all things metal. Um, and they came out pretty much uh, with the attitude that that punk had was that metal was old hat and uh, you're saying about like the grunge that's coming in to, and you know to get rid of metal for me like if you look at everything else that was around at the time it was like the, like, the first incarnation of Shaggy with like O Carolina and mm. Aswad were around and they were they're a bit shit and there was like like really really like really bad house music yeah, and it was all of that sort of, st- and like the Scott Aiken and Waterman shit. Yeah, uh, I for me that's mm. what grunge came in and replaced because 
like I would this I I could see I could listen to Sangard and, and hear Black Sabbath. Yeah, I get that. So mm-hmm. and I I think it's there's well you can't listen to Nirvana without hearing the Pixies and I don't think you can listen to the Pixies without hearing you know stuff from 15 years previous in that first wave of punk. There was that whole um, are you Pearl Jam or Nirvana? Exactly. Feud. Are you Blur or are you Oasis feud? And that's just all bullshit. Yeah. And, I, I just, and this is where I am now. It's it's either good music or it's not. You either like it or yeah. you don't. And this is the thing. I mean, there's songs that Nirvana did that I like. Like yeah. I can't deny it. Well, Sam, Sam, Sam says that, like, what does he say? Smells like Team Spirit is the worst. Oh, song terrible. Yeah. Can I have it around me? Yeah. But Lithium's but amazing. Yeah. I turn off. Smells like Teen Spirit the minute it comes mm. on. And um, the blokes at work that I love Evan calls it dad rock. They, they, love, they love the song. It comes on, oh, I love this track. So I'm sat there listening to it. And unfortunately for me, when it's on, I sit there going, hello? Hello? Uh, hello? <laughs> uh, hello? Hello? And that's what, I just hit this out of it because it really does wind me up. Because, you know, um, there's far better. I like Sand Garden. I like the voice. Mm. I like the creativity. At the time, I was listening to things like Spin Doctors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a Rain Maiden, also. Um, so, oh yeah, no, I don't mean to say that you were like stuck on Maiden. Like it's you know, but I never ever had that um, mentality of um, oh, this is in. I don't like it. It's shit. Mm. But the reverse was not yes. to be said, mm-hmm. and I really hated that. I, I hate that whole mentality of how old are you? Forty-two. You must be old. I'm not interested and I, I detest that because um, that's why I listen to people like Yes and Jeff Hotel because so, I think they've still got a place yeah I like we were saying like part of this the whole point of doing this is that I feel that like Evan was born in 2007 and but really I had switched off to anything new long before then mm. um, you know so anything after 2000 I don't know so this is all part of like what me asking Sam, what have I missed? What's good? And like, mm. he's, he's given me Jamie T, which I enjoyed. I don't know. I, I, I really did like it, mm. to be honest. I haven't gone back to listen to it since. But then he gave um, he recommended like uh, Punk and Poetry by the King Blues. Okay. Um, mate, it's a fucking amazing album. Like, why I haven't been listening to that for the last 10 years, I don't know. Mm. So it's just really kind of like me trying to catch up with stuff. And at the same time, trying to say to Sam, like, I know you just see this as my music, but listen to No Code by Pearl Jam because it's not what you're going to, mm. you know, it's not what you're expecting. So mm. that's like the whole point of this. And yeah, and along, that, a, yeah. along a similar sort of line, I suppose um, I was surprised with your third choice of record yeah. for this week. Um, and again, because it's just completely out of what I saw. And again, it might be down to me and us sort of losing touch a little bit. Like, I never saw this record being in your wheelhouse at all. Yeah. So, and, you know, again, you're, you're absolutely right. It's it's the, um, the separation of um, uh, 17, 18-year-old Robin Leon. We've, and again, this is why I've got... I don't hold anything against you for not keeping in touch as much as we should have and probably could have mm-hmm. because we're all different people. Things have, have changed. We're all completely different. And um, watching and listening to your podcast back, um, that's evident. Your musical direction is not Deftones and stuff anymore like it was back in the mm-hmm. late 90s. 
it, it's far more diverse. And I'm sat here listening to you and Sam talk about what you listen to and the things you know. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be quite an insular experience talking to you about my musical experience because it's not as as varied because it's very much is rock, prog rock, and mm-hmm. not much beyond that. And then I got to thinking to myself, actually, um, I've got two young kids. I have literally um, fallen in love with uh, the soundtrack to Tangled. Mm-hmm. The oh, Disney yeah. film, because I think it's infinitely more musical than the soundtrack to Frozen. Have you listened to our episode where we talk about soundtracks? Uh, no, I haven't actually. I'll right, give okay. that a go. But uh, that, that's next. I'll, I'll listen to that at work tomorrow. Um, so actually thought to myself, actually, there is a whole bank of music here that I really like that I need to um, perhaps give you a taster of. You know what the greatest um, soundtrack of all time is, though, don't you? <laughs> here we go. Um, like, The Greatest Showman's pretty good. It is good. I do like um, that, yeah. Moana is amazing. It is, yeah, very, like, very good. Really good. Um, yep. But the greatest, like, I really like Into the Wild, the one that Eddie Vedder did for Sean Penn's film. Like, oh. I, I don't know that one. That's know, really yeah. good. Like, you know, do you know the film Into the Wild? It's based um, on um, the book Into the Wild by um, Chris McCandless, who um, basically gave everything away to go walking in Alaska and ultimately passed. And he ultimately died. But oh, yeah. like, so, so the it. book's really good. The film's really good. And then Eddie Vedder's done the same track. Oh, um, okay. But the greatest soundtrack album of all time has got to be The Jungle Book. Ah, uh, yeah, he's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hates so, one, it? It's so, really special. So if you want to um, change your submission, it's not too late. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could, but um, <laughs> it kind of negates my reason for picking my third, which is um, something that's touched me emotionally. Um, and that's why the third one's been my choice. The, the actual just emotional connection to the film more than anything um watching that film and watching uh, bradley cooper's portrayal of a much loved and talented musician completely fall apart and begin to resent the person he loves most dearly for her talent uh, because his star is on the descendants is devastating mm-hmm. and then to finally end in the way it does and to hear Lady Gaga's performance on the final two tracks is just heartbreaking, absolutely devastating. Just to um, um, her, just to clarify, this is the Star Is Born soundtrack, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, a Star Is Born. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's alright, alright. But um, this is what we find because because we kind of all, all, we know what we're talking about. We keep occasionally we go, oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> yeah, you know, but. Yeah, indeed. So, um, obviously, it's a remake of a remake film. Yeah, It's already been a film twice, and this is the third version. Um, uh, the, the beauty of this is, is I think, um, between the two leading members of the cast, you've got a guy who teaches a girl how to be an acceptable actress, <laughs> and you've got a girl who teaches a guy how to be an acceptable singer. And somewhere in the middle, the whole system works. Yeah, I haven't seen the film, um, but my other half says it's really, really good. Terribly, terribly sad, but really, really Indeed. good. I, I, I would like to yeah. see it, to be fair. 
And I must say, uh, after spending some time with the soundtrack earlier on today, it makes me want to see it even more for the for the added context. And I think the um, uh, I, I'm just really looking at the, the songs here that really um, I was listening to my work after I spoke to Rob about it. I thought I'd better go back and listen to it and just catch up on what I'm actually uh, uh, listening to. Um, and always remember us this way is um, just a beautiful yeah. song. Lady Gaga's vocals and that is outstanding. Um, mate, fuck me, she can sing, can't she? Oh, honest to God. Right. Again, maybe it's, it's just coming from a, you know, I, I always refer to my taste of music as angry white boy music, um, mm. but maybe coming from that background, that I've always sort of thought, oh, a bit poppy, but fucking hell. Don't get me wrong. There's what a, a voice like. Absolute stinkers on there. And when you watch a film, you realise why the stinkers are on there. Um, because uh, she's unknown, mm -hmm. gets underneath his wing, she then catapults into stardom, all the record companies are sniffing around her, she then opts for a career in money-making, effectively, a, a successful music career in pop. Mm -hmm. um, and he resents the fact that she's gone from writing really credible music and is far more successful as a shitty pop musician than he is as a mm -hmm. fantastic country musician. So in that context, you've got to have the poopers on there because mm. um, it's part of the film. So what uh, do you think of the weaker tracks of hers on there then? Because like, I'll be honest, I like being, I don't want to shit all over it, but um, I'm going <laughs> to. No, I, I, I didn't get on with his voice. See... Um, I don't know I, if I could get past the um, Bradley Cooper of it all. And that, I think that's, um, uh, and again, you're, you, you can you can shit over it and I'm going to put it bluntly. Yeah. That's down to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's down to And I would say that to anybody because um, what really pissed me off about this, this album was the single that came off it, Shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's credited as three minutes, 36 seconds. They cut Bradley Cooper out of it. Yeah. He's not in the single release. Uh, it, whenever you hear it on the, on the radio, the edit is just the Lady Gaga part and it banks in about two minutes 40. And that to me is a travesty because without him, the harmony vocals towards the latter part of the song are pointless. Because right. who is this person she's singing mm. to? They're singing about being a boy who's struggling with um, he, himself. And then there's, he's talking about a girl. Is she able to cope with the, uh, the stardom she's about to embrace? Um, so you've got this uh, synergy and symbiotic relationship between these two people. And they release a single and take part of that relationship away. And the song becomes completely mm -hmm. pointless. Still a beautiful song. So the vocal performance is outstanding, but... Is that why you see that? So you see that as one of the weaker tracks, do you? Because of no, that. Shallow is one of my favourites. Oh right, okay. no, so, so, I, th so. I think on, on the album, mm. Shallow is one of the strongest. Right, okay, sorry. Yeah. His vocal and her vocal together, she has got the drive and the power and the range. Yeah, but his harmonies are absolutely spot on, absolutely spot on. And I sung it 
um, I joined temporarily in a sort of vocal group. Um, and there's a young girl there, 13 years old, and she sings the Lady Gaga parts, and I did the Bradley Cooper parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got it recorded on my phone. And after the performance, because this young girl um, had gone into the singing group as a bit of a weak, mm-hmm. timid young girl, they'd been nurturing her vocal and pushing her on to be a bit of a belter. And at the end of it, the instructors were in tears because this young girl had suddenly, in their eyes, become something far more than the, the little girl who came into the original um, uh, lessons. Uh, and for me to offer the vocal backbone Bradley Cooper to her Lady Gaga was was fantastic and such a great feeling. Um, I love singing, mm-hmm. always love singing. And to just kind of express that song in my own way with somebody else expressing it in their own way and getting that onto recording and hearing it back was was pretty amazing. Something that um, um, I've just generally, um, you know, just to jump, sorry, again, apologies. Yeah, go for it. Um, like, um, Rob, you said a similar thing when we had Rich on about, like, um, when, when you hear someone talking so passionately about something, it's really, like, it's really quite heartwarming to hear like you, you talk so so well and so like passionately about it, and like whether or not, like like you said to Rob before, that that's on you. If you don't like it, that's on you. I agree, um, but it's yeah, it's I'm I'm really in, and I haven't really had much input tonight, but it's been really interesting, really nice to hear hear you talk about that and like about these things in such glowing terms, like something you're clearly very like a very knowledgeable about, but b very you know feel very passionately about yeah it's it's yeah sorry i just thought i always wanted to say that and hearing you talk about yourself performing as well is something that come is i hope it you know it really you know you can see there's a love for it and it's it's mm. yeah it's it's really quite quite nice to hear but that, that's always yeah. like from my point of view with the on that's always been there from when mm. we were kids like you know yeah, I, I said at the start of this that you know the only man I know who chose to be a bass player. Well, he didn't choose to just be a bass player. He chose to be the best fucking ba- bass player he can mm. be. I, I've said I've said to you to you before that you know Leon's the best bass player I've ever seen, like ever. Yeah. Regardless of who, like all the bands I've seen, like I I always say you know we have a discussion about bass bass players or whatever. Yeah, Leon. Mm. Yeah, Leon. Yeah. That means Sorry, a lot. Just, that means a lot. It means a lot. Um, just, um, just take your dick out of my mouth. And then, <laughs> um, I will say on that album, like my my favorite record, well, my favorite track on that album was her version of the Vion Rose. I thought that was mm, absolutely yeah. astounding. I thought that was amazing, and like I, I listened to it and I literally went just because I was it, it, listening to it at work and I took it out of my pocket and I'd be like, I'm having that on again. Mm. Like, yeah, because considering it's 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 a standard now, isn't it? Yeah, like ev- yeah. everyone's done that. Like she completely makes it her own. But, but I'll, I'll tell you something even more remarkable, and this is what absolutely blows my mind every time I listen to this album. The songs where there's an audience, it's recorded live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not a, like like the Blues Brothers. Um, it was recorded 
as a live act, yes, but in a studio environment, mm -hmm. and they placed it into a, a stage. You used to love that record as well, mine. Um, you know, um, uh, yeah, that was in my top twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so everything, everything on this album that is has got live noise in the background is recorded live. Oh, yeah. So her performance of La Vie en Rose oh, is outstanding. So, so good. And that last, what I really like about Lady Gaga, right, and I've always said this, it's not the fact that she sings things perfectly. No. It, it's like that last note, she goes, La Vie en Rose, and she sings it out of time. Mm-hmm. But it just bloody works. It works so well, so so well. And there's there's a bit in um, uh, I don't wanna see another song. Don't wanna start another fire. Don't mm -hmm. wanna tie another kiss. She sings that three or four times throughout the song. But at the end of it, in the film, she's singing it live in in a studio audience situation. And she begins to break down. Mm -hmm. So she rushes it. Oh, I see, yeah. And it's the rush of that vocal and knowing what she's fighting with to try and just get those words out breaks my heart mm. every time. It's such a beautiful song. Mate, you've proper come alive. Like, <laughs> it's not as if you've been sat back sedate like, for the last two and a half hours, but you've, like, the last 20 minutes, like, talking about this, you've proper come alive, like, but it, uh, even through the computer, I can see sparkle in your eyes. I fucking love it, man. Uh, the thing, the thing that this album, uh, when I was trying to think of my top three, uh, I thought I can't just say three Maiden albums, which I could possibly mm. do oh, easily yeah, yeah. like that. No, no doubt about it. But I remember listening to Prowler off the first Iron Maiden album through headphones with you. Splitter on the rate on the on the bus. That was a happy day when you bought that Walkman that had two headphone sockets. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, that was a great day. Because um, the splitter used to half the volume yeah. over the noise of the bus. You couldn't hear what you listened to. But this splitter had separate volume controls. It's like, this is fucking ace. <laughs> so uh, we listened to that. Um, and Prowler, I remember sort of kind of just switching on to the fact, as I said earlier, about music just touching you in a way that nothing else can. And Prowler, that... The hairs on the back of my neck stand up as soon as I hear that, and it's something yeah. animalistic. That's about exactly it. what I had with Rusty Cage on on from that tape on the bus. It was just mm. like, what's this? Yeah, and I haven't felt that from a recording for a long, long time. Right. Nothing has really grabbed me where I thought this is something remarkable. Um, I remember listening to, uh, watching the film with my wife um, and sitting and watching it and thinking, this is a terrible story, really, really sad. That song came on after he had done what he did at the end of the film. It's a three-year-old film, you can spoil the end. Yeah, and I'm just sat there next to my wife thinking, I'm going to cry. I'm literally going to cry. Um, and I haven't cried at a film since Marley and Me. <laughs> and sobbed like a bitch on that. It was, you know... Mate, since I'm, I've had the kids, I cry at anything. I, I, I'm, I'm crying I'm not, all the time, like. 
I'm not terrible at it, but there's moments where I get caught and I know that it's been an emotional connection. Yeah. So sat watching Marley and me, um, film finished. Uh, Kate said, oh, Kate was crying as, as you do at Marley and me. And uh, she, she turned to me to kind of say, oh, that was a good film. And I was off <laughs> into the men's, men's toilets to go have a bit of a cry. And I walked into the toilet and I stood, stood at the urinal and I'm thinking, oh God, I'm crying a minute. I'm so harrowing. And literally, all these other blokes come in and they're all still in your arms next to me going, fucking hell, it's fucking horrible, that is. Oh, that is dog inside. Oh. So, and I've not been touched by a film and, a, and anything in that way since listening to this. And I was at work. Uh, Kate bought the CD, shut it on the car, and listening to Dig in a Grave and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I thought, fair play, this, this Bradley Cooper can actually sing and hold a tune. Um, I don't know whether he actually plays a guitar. I think that's actually staged, but... You sat there watching it, and you think this guy can hold a tune. It, you, he really can. And then throughout the film, you're thinking this is great, you know, blah blah. blah. And then the ending comes, and I sat there, and I just started to cry. And I'm watching performance, and it's not so much the performance as such; it's the inflections in her voice as she's singing it, and the camera angles. Mm-hmm. It's gone from being a wide open stage where you can see the musician and lights, and it slowly cuts into just the face and I th- at that point I thought to myself nothing compares to you mm. oh yeah yeah I thought oh my god this is the nothing compares to you moment and then she's fighting back the tears and as a musician I'm sat there thinking she rushed that last bit so she could get it out yeah. before she breaks down and that's, that was it for me I was gone <laughs> I was blubbing like a baby and I thought that's such a difficult watch and there's other there's another couple of songs on the album where she does similar things vocally, where she rushes bits, or like instead of singing on the note, she'll come in half beat previous and hold it just another half beat extra to come back in at the right timing. And it's so simple, but it's emotive. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just. Um, I was telling Sam the other day. Um... You've seen Man of Steel, haven't you? Um, Superman. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, there, there's a bit where he's out on the fishing trawler, uh, you know, in the storm, and then he comes he comes back to dark. And like we watched it, like it, it's been out for a long time. That film, I've seen it a few times before. Um, and we watched it maybe a couple of months, two or three months ago. And um, so there's a bit. He's out on the trawler, and then he comes back in, and Chris Cornell comes on doing seasons, and Hazel does, uh. and and Hazel's, I don't know what, why she's looked over. She's looked over at me. And she's like, are you all right? And I'm just an absolute sobbing mess. Mm. And it's, it's just, really hard. But it's Cornell. It's, it's not the film. It's like I wasn't expecting to hear Chris Cornell. And like mm. his passing has had such a massive impact on me. I don't, yeah. I can't, like, Sam thinks I'm a stuck record. That's not really <laughs> but like, honestly, it's like, I, like, I, can't, I, I can't get through a same no, song. I can't, it's, I don't, you know, but there's just something about certain situations that touch you and it's always music. Yeah. It's it always, is. like, it there's probably 15 Benfold songs. If they would come on now, I'll be crying. Mm. You know, and yeah. it's, it's just something about music and then the way it touches us individually. It's just, yeah, yeah it's amazing. See, like, I, 
I, as a rule, don't listen to that type of music that that has a spiritual, deep, touching mm-hmm. meaning. It, it's, you know, um, it's very difficult to to um, get emotive um, listening to the darkness singing about it. <laughs> why, yeah. why a Chinese tra- train smells of piss and shit? It's really quite difficult to, but it's still a um, evocative connection you still listen to it and think i've been sat at a train station in gloucester and the whole place stinks of piss and i i get that it's it's a connection emotively um i have it with the so, lemonheads like like the, the, the lemonheads they just it's just three minute pop songs but hmm. you know emotionally they just touch me in places that probably probably <laughs> <isn't>. <laughs> I thought um, the last track on the soundtrack it was, which is I'm guessing the 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 one you're referring to with the um, nothing compares to you thing. Um, yeah. Like I said, I haven't seen the film, but um, she like and when I was surprised at this because I you know um, that you picked this, I was not out of I don't know out of what really, but like I, I heard. Um, Gaga sing at the um, Biden's inauguration, and like, mm-hmm. uh, and she is just an amazing vocalist, and like, so I, I when you said, it, I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna enjoy this because she is, you know, she's such. It's kind of she's got a, quite a powerful voice, but there's also like you said, those subtleties to it, and what's yeah. amazing, and and I, I have no problem saying this is that. To think that it's the same person singing that as the poker face, for example. Well, that's the fucking tune, man. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. But that that yeah. that versatility, and like the 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 one that I like of, of hers, and I'm not I'm not a you know a big Lady Gaga fan or anything, but like I think Paparazzi's a really good song, oh. and like a really good vocal performance. And I think like yeah. I like Bad Romance. I yeah. think Bad Romance is amazing. And like, but it's mad, like, like that's what you would call, you know, that's something I would consider like good pop, you know. And then like, there's these, these exactly. amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. like powerful and. Songs we were like talking that. about Beyonce the other week, though, weren't we? Mm, yeah. We were saying like, well, well you, you, I think you called her a stone cold fox. <laughs> but, I'm but, on the record. But for that. just like as a performer, like she's just top class. Mm. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll put Lady Gaga in the same bracket, to be honest. To be honest with you, um, I I sort of cottoned on to Lady Gaga being something special on Paparazzi. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember being sat at uh, Benar Beach in Barmouth with um, my Sony PSP, uh, and it was on a uh, I had it in a docking station with, with speaker system, uh, and I had that song. I think it was on like a now CD yeah. or something uh, rec- recorded onto my uh, PSP and uh, I was playing it through the speaker system and I thought blimey that's really nice and I think that would make a really good punk song <laughs> yeah because it's got yeah. that it's got that papa papa you go you could really sort of with that and, and make it into something quite special um, I thought oh okay took the PSP out put my headphones on started listening to it and it Again, it's her vocal on that, where it's just kind of... The only thing I can describe it, and 
I've, I've been trying to put my finger on what is so good about that track. And it's got what I call the Bob factor. Rowan Atkinson's Bob yeah. is far better than anybody else's Bob. And Lady Gaga's paparazzi, mm. it's almost stammered in the way she says it. And it's a very endearing quality. Mm. And you sit and listen to it and think, what is it about the way she says paparazzi that really gets me? I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And the more you listen to it, it's 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 the bob factor. It's got something abnormally normal about it. It's really difficult mm. to describe, but I get what you're saying about paparazzi. Yeah, it's, it's like we can all shout, hey, ho, let's go, but we can't do it exactly. like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's just something to do with the way that particular thing was recorded. And uh, again, as you said, uh, Sam, yourself, the last track really stands yeah. out as something quite special. But um, she she does a thing later on where you think she's going to finish after she does, don't want to start another kiss. Don't want to take your heart away. Mm. She does that throughout the whole song. She does it on, on point, on beat. Don't want to tear your heart away. Don't want to... On the last time she does it, she goes, way. Mm. She holds the way. And that bit just works. For whatever reason, you think, oh, she's mistiming. No, she hasn't. And it's that, um, again, it's going back to Jethro Tull, going back to Yes. It's things that you think you're about to expect, but not. It completely blows your mind. It's so simple, but so effective. Um, and as I said, the baseline on the first track of Fragile, which is the baseline to Roundabout, listen to it because it's simple, yeah. so simple. And when you put it, your headphones on and you listen to it, you think that's not as simple as mm. I thought it was. And when you try, when I tried to play it, I had to simplify it before I could play yeah. it, how he plays it. Chris Squire is a master at that. Um, and Lady Gaga is a master mm. at doing what she does, um, which which is... It's the Songs in the Key of Life factor. Yeah. Every single bass line on Songs of the Key of Life oh, is good. different for every single section of every single song. What now? You might think he's playing it the same, but he's not. It's, it's different. And every single time you think he's, you know, loves and neither love today, you're listening to that bass line thinking he hasn't played the same riff twice. Mm. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I don't know how these people do do it. And you think, where is that coming from? Yeah. How does this person know how to play the same thing differently? Incredible. Right. Sam, we've got homework now. So we've got to listen to, is it Closer to the Edge by Yes? Closer to the Edge, yeah. Got to listen to um, that. Roundabout off, off the album Fragile. Right. Listen to that. Roundabout from the album Fragile. I've, I've got to watch A Star Is Born to add a bit more context to this record. And yeah. I need to work out a campfire strum along version to my prerogative by bobby brain <laughs> leon thank you very much for being our guest on yeah, thank you Cheers, really good it's been an absolute pleasure you were my best mate 25 years ago you were my only mate for some of that time yes you're my Still best, best mate, mate now indeed I fucking love you love you too bro. I wish you're you great. N- wish you nothing but happiness and health yeah uh, we'll and- take you hiking and will you please come on again 
So if you're up for it, I'd be absolutely honoured and delighted to have you back. Definitely. Excellent. I'll put some links to all your stuff in the in the show Cheers, notes. Guys. Thanks, man. Excellent. Thank you very much. I'll give you a Cheers, show. Guys. Um, yeah, love you, man. Love you.